before you again on a Sunday morning, and we have so much to be thankful for. Yet, Lord, we have so many needs. And, Lord, we ask that you would, through different parts of this service, meet those needs and help us to understand our need to sing praises and bring glory to your name and to your goodness. Help us to remember for whom we are singing this morning. And we ask that you would be with the special, with the sermon, with the offering. But most of all, Lord, the time of invitation where we offer to you our heart and our will as is our reasonable service. We ask, Lord, that you would do your work in our lives, that you may be glorified in them. And in this church, that you may receive glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. uh, I think we'll have the children dismissed to the children's church at this time. You're under 12 and would like to go down. Now is the time to do that. The rest of us, let's turn to a very familiar passage. I hope that we'll be able to examine it afresh and anew today. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, verse 33 is going to be our main text today, Matthew chapter 6. Many of us, uh, I would dare say, most of us have been around church very long, could quote this verse, and uh, but just want to spend a little time, as we learned in Sunday school, uh, Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and uh, later in his letter, he said, it's a good thing to put you in remembrance of these things, and so... Uh, we, we know this verse. In fact, sometimes we know it so well that we skip over the or lose the impact that it should have. If, if you have this verse memorized, why don't you just say it with me? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, that was pretty poor. Let's try that again. If you don't have it memorized, uh, you can cheat and read. Uh, But let's try to get this nice and loud, everybody together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, how many of you have spent the better part of this past week, trying to get all these things. If you're gainfully employed, uh, meaning that you go to work and you get a paycheck, uh, why do you work? One guy said, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. I hope that's not true of everybody here. But uh, uh, the, the Bible is not against gainful employment. Uh, it's against ungainful employment. That's where somebody pays you for doing nothing. The Bible is against that. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us if a man shouldn't, if man doesn't work, he ought not eat. Uh, that was part of Adam's uh, curse in the garden was that he was supposed to earn his living by the sweat of his brow. And let me tell you something: if you got a job that doesn't make you sweat on the outside, it makes you sweat on the inside, doesn't it? Uh, I'd rather have to buy extra deodorant than ulcer medicine. How about you? Uh, but uh, that's just the way it works. We uh, God designed it that way. He gave us something to do. And, and 
uh, and I've often made this statement and will again this morning. I, I wish I, I wish I had a dollar for every person I met with that just said, Pastor, all I want is to have a good life. And part of me just being a little bit sarcastic and things, it just wants to look at him and go, Duh, don't you think God wants you to have a good life too? I mean, that's why Jesus died on the cross. Uh, don't you think God could do a better job with your life than you can? How many could say amen to that? But it's so easy for us. You know what I've been chasing all week? A work permit. You know what I still don't have? A work permit. We, we need that work permit. It, it is important. But I think one of the reasons the Lord delayed was to put on my heart, hey, I, I need to get back and start checking some things. We, we need to take some time to review some things. I mean, I want a work permit so we can fix the church. I mean, can't get much more godly than that, can you? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the, here is the formula. But seek ye first. You heard about the fellow that wrote everything out on his to-do list? I think this is a frog and toad story. And the wind blew away his to-do list. And Frog said, go find your list. He said, but that wasn't on my list. How many of you have ever had a day like that, huh? How many of you have a list of things that you have to do? And you always start off with the least important. You got any honest people who raise their hand with me and say that's what I do? Yeah, I mean that's that's human nature. Uh, that's why this verse is here. But seek ye first. I want to challenge you this morning. You are seeking something in this life. Unless you're one of those people that just sit around and do absolutely nothing. And that doesn't last very long. God has intended for us to be people of activity. He has put within the human uh, makeup, it, it, it's in our DNA, we've got to do something. I mean, little children. Remember when uh, Philip broke his leg? And uh, I said, Doctor, what do we got to do about this? He said, Well, he said, Fortunately, nothing's moved. We're going to put a cast on it. And he said, Don't worry about therapy. He said, That's for adults. He said, Little children, he wasn't quite three at the time. He said, little children will do their own therapy automatically. They'll just 
They'll start moving things as soon as they can. And, and, and he will, he, he'll get all the range of motion. You don't have to worry about a thing. God put within us to move, to do things, to accomplish things. The problem is the order. The problem is the priority. I had a little app I got. With, it was supposed to take my to-do list off my phone and put it onto the computer and take it off the computer and put it back on the phone. Anybody ever have one of those? I mean, and then it has the thing where you can mark the priority, the importance of the task. And so I got looking at that one day and I had like 25 tasks and every, other, every one of them was listed top priority. You know what? Doesn't work. You got to start somewhere. When I was a young boy, uh, my uh, I did not grow up on a farm, but my dad wanted me to think that I had. Amen. Uh, he would rent garden spots, and we would oftentimes we'd get a week or so off. The the, the plant where my dad worked would shut down for. Uh, I remember one time, it was very memorable, it shut down for two whole weeks, and we went fishing for two whole weeks. Oh, that was fun. You know what wasn't fun? When we got back, the weeds had been growing in all the gardens for two whole weeks. And when you looked out over the garden spot... I mean, you couldn't even hardly see the plants. The corn was sticking up above the weeds, but uh, the weeds were as tall as the tomatoes and the cucumbers and squash and all that was just buried. And I mean, it just looked like a, uh, a bad patch of grass is what it looked like. And, and my dad said, you boys better get to work. Where do we start? My dad, not being a man of great education, just reached down, picked up the first weed and said, how about here? You see, where and how are you going to invest your life force? You only have so much. Your days were numbered, excepting that you play in traffic or defy the law of gravity in some serious way. Uh, Your days were numbered. The moment you took your first breath of air. I was so reminded of that. Sarah's with us. And I love taking little Pamela and making a puppet. And then I'm sitting there looking at her, holding on my hand. and said, you know, it wasn't that long ago Sarah was there. Not, uh, uh, not Pamela, her child. And time passes us. And the question is, where and how? Where do you start? And here's the answer right here. But seek ye first two things. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. That, that's where you start. Now, if you tune into Christian radio at all, or Christian television, which 
to me is kind of an oxymoron emphasis on the last syllable because it's very little Christian, either one of them. But you're going to hear a lot about the kingdom. Building the kingdom. And, and we're, we're into kingdom building. And every once in a while you'll, you'll see, uh, uh, driving through towns or something, you'll see the name of a church and it'll have kingdom, not kingdom hall. That's Jehovah's Witnesses. But uh, there'll even be some Baptist churches with the name kingdom or a community kingdom or something like this. And, and uh, the kingdom of God is not of this world. Isn't that what Jesus told Pilate? He said, if my kingdom were of this world, if I was in competition, you know, that was the charge that Pilate had to deal with. That was the way that the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, had manipulated Pilate into giving an edict of crucifixion of death against Jesus was that he claimed to be a king, that he was in competition with the Roman Empire. And we don't have time this morning, but let me tell you something. There was one thing about the Roman Empire that made it an empire, was they suffered no competition. How many of you remember the story of Masada? This was after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. A small community of Jews had fled into the desert... And they had occupied Herod's palace. This was actually built by Herod the Great, who was uh, the one that murdered the babes in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And it had been abandoned and they had put storehouses in there and they had uh, prepared themselves. And there's just a few hundred Jewish people. And they were... In that fortress, let me tell you something. Rome sent the legions, the entire force of the Roman army, for as long as it took to breach those walls and to put down that insignificant, unimportant, truly, in every sense of the word, non-topical rebellion. That's the way Rome was. And so Pilate is examining Jesus and said, They say you're a king. Are you trying to compete? And Jesus said, Listen, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, he said, My servants would be fighting for it. But they're not going to fight because my kingdom isn't from hence. Do you know that's the reason why there's so much religious war going on? How many of you understand that Islam is trying to build a kingdom for their last uh, imam or their last caliph, who I believe is going to be the equivalent, is going to be the person the Bible identifies as the beast or the Antichrist? That's who they're looking for. World War I was basically fought between the Orthodox and the Catholic churches on who would have the right to build God's kingdom on earth. And the horror of death and destruction really destroyed what at that time was known as the doctrine of post-millennialism. That man would build the kingdom 
and that Jesus would descend from heaven and sit upon the throne. Uh, the only people who would still cling to that are just deluded and deranged and many other things. Um, but before World War I, that, that's why they fought so hard. That's why they were uh, arranging and they were aligning and trying to conceive which church was going to build his kingdom. I looked it up just so I make sure here. Definition of a kingdom is an organized community having a king as its head. Boy, that's impressive, isn't it? I had to do a lot of research to get that definition, didn't I? And it says, the territory or country subject to a king. The area over which a king's rule extends. A realm. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17? We're supposed to seek the kingdom of God. Now, if that kingdom were a physical kingdom, then we should be out there fighting with everybody else, trying to tell them that we're right and they're wrong and all of these things. But that's not the kingdom that we're supposed to be seeking. Look at verse 20. It says, when he was, And when he, this is Jesus, was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold... The kingdom of God is within you. Said the kingdom of God is within you. How how do we seek that kingdom? Well, the kingdom is the area that the king controls. Amen? We've often used this word picture to symbolize the surrendered or, or the obedient Christian life that Jesus is sitting upon the throne of your heart. We, uh, that, that, is a very, that should be uh, familiar to you. That, that, that should be something that helps us paint a picture. The idea is that the kingdom of God is within you. It should be, Jesus should be ruling in your heart. There's a wider picture here that I believe is implied among this verse as well. Jesus was talking to his disciples and those that believed on him. He was talking to the first church. Shouldn't our church be a place? If Jesus is the head of the body, shouldn't he be in control? Shouldn't what goes on in this church be under his dominion and at his direction as if he were the ruling monarch that was giving us direction and teaching us? I mean, uh, uh, I, I don't believe I'm, I'm stretching the scriptures at all. Uh, the, the, Jesus desires to rule within our life, and if he rules within our life, he will automatically rule within our church. And by the way, he expects us to invest our life force in serving him through his local church. Because there are no other options in the Bible. That is God's plan. 
a preacher I know in New Jersey wrote a, wrote a book, The Church, God's Plan for Planet Earth. Yeah, that's a pretty good title. Uh, that's what the plan is. It, you, you study your Bible from Acts chapter 2 to Revelation chapter 4. Everything is by through for about a local church. And you know what? Sometimes those local churches work together. That's one thing I love about being a Baptist. Is we have incredible cooperation. And not one pope or district superintendent or grand poobah or anything else you want to call it. To make it work. Because it's the Holy Spirit of God that makes us cooperate. I mean, I I praise the Lord for what our church does for missions. But there's not one of our missionaries. If we took everything we gave, we could support two or three missionaries on the field if, if we gave everything. But the fact is, when we cooperate with other churches, we're supporting close to 80 different missionaries and works. And we have a little part in each one of those. And you see, how do we seek first the kingdom of God? Number one, I've got to make sure that the king is ruling right here. That takes care of motives. That, that takes care of plans and ambitions. That takes care of hidden agendas, that takes care of gossip, that takes care of so many things if the king is really ruling in my heart. You know what the the Bible tells us as we go through the the book of Acts and there were some problems at the Corinthian church. In fact, it had gotten so bad that some of the members were taking other members and suing them in a court of law. And Paul said, listen, don't you understand that when the kingdom of God really comes, you're going to be judging the whole earth and you can't handle this little issue between two or three of you in the church? He said, I speak this to your shame. He said, take him which is least esteemed. He said, take the dumbest one in the church. And they should be easily able to administrate this simple little problem. You see, if the, kingdom of, if the kingdom of God is ruling, if Jesus is ruling within us, you know something, it's going to be hard to offend you. Now, isn't it? Because it's easy to be offended, isn't it? How many of you noticed that on the subways, people just push into you a lot more than they did a few years ago? Am I the only one? Okay, I'm not the only one that's noticed that. And, And it seems in driving that people have gotten more aggressive in these last few years than, than they have. I mean, it's just, uh, let me tell you, it's just a result of the higher level of selfishness in our society. Uh, let me ask you a question. 
If Jesus is ruling in our heart, what does he do to selfishness? He turns it into selflessness, doesn't he? You see, if we were to seek first the kingdom of God, I get frustrated with all the paperwork. Just filing papers to try to work on the building. If it were just working on the building, we'd be done by now. But you can't just work. You've got to file all the papers. And you know what? I could stand up here and complain until the evening service. And I could convince you that every one of my complaints is absolutely valid. But what good have I done? Well, at least you vented a little, Pastor. that, That kind of venting doesn't help anything. It just endorses poor behavior and poor attitude on my part. How about you? You see, what we need to do is take a few minutes when we start the day and make sure the king is actually on the throne and giving direction and ruling us for the day. How many people would say amen to that? You see, that's the kingdom. Turn over a page or so in your Bible, if you need to, to Luke chapter 18, verse 16. And Jesus was talking to the disciples here as they brought him the little children and his disciples tried to turn them away. But Jesus called, verse 16, but Jesus called them unto him, the little children, and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for if such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. You know, it is... We, we try to... Be adults, do we not? We, we try to be mature. We try to handle things. But here's what Jesus said. If you don't receive the kingdom of God as a little child, you're not going to enter it in. How, you remember how you got saved? If you're here today and you are saved, Do you remember the day when you finally gave up and said, Okay, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. How many remember that day? Could you say amen? Remember, you stopped trying to pay for your sin. You stopped trying to be mama's good little boy. You stopped trying to be good enough to please God. And you just said, What Jesus did on the cross is all I need. That's how you got into the kingdom, by the way. You accepted it as a little child. It doesn't take great brains or intelligence or great desire or great effort. It takes great surrender. Well, if that's good enough to get you started, do you think that's good enough to keep you there? I like to put it this way. What you did to get saved... 
is what you do to keep living for Christ. You know, they say the difference between men and boys is just the size of their toys. And uh, there were some people watching me. We were there, and I had little Pamela and was talking to her and making her laugh and talk to me. And, of course, when that happens, I don't care who's around. And, and, and people were just, uh, it was a family. We knew they were actually missionaries for a while in Sri Lanka. We supported them a little bit. Now they're back. I'm not sure what all's happening there, but... Uh, they they known us and they were just laughing and and uh, somebody came over and said they're you know you need to calm down a little bit dad or they're laughing at you ah, I don't care I'm having fun with Pamela why why couldn't we have the same attitude with the Lord Jesus Christ stop caring what the world thinks about us. And start caring what Jesus thinks about us. You know what? Life's a lot more fun when you stop worrying about what other people think about you. Amen? You know, that's the neat thing about a little child is you can be in a big auditorium and all kinds of fancy stuff going on. And there's a dead time. Don't do it while they're preaching or singing or the service is going on. But you can just sit there and get out a little sheet of paper with a little friend and play a game of tic-tac-toe. And you know what? They're having the time of their life. Why? Because some adult is paying attention to me. You know what? Jesus wants to pay attention to us. But we've got to return that attention. Amen? we got to stop worrying about everything on this level and start taking care of this level. And when we do, when we got things right up here, all the rest of this stuff kind of just takes care of itself now, doesn't it? That, that's what this verse is saying. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And by the way, Jesus in Luke chapter 9, we won't turn there, just listen very closely. You know the verse And Jesus said unto them, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This this idea of the kingdom is not a, a trial and error thing. It's not something that I put on Sunday morning. This is 100%, days every year. The kingdom of God should be our first thought. And it would solve a lot of other things. You know, that person that is just driving me crazy wouldn't be so important if my first thought is the kingdom of God. Letting Jesus rule in my heart. Maybe I'd take my foot off the accelerator a little bit. And just let them get on ahead. Instead of worrying about it. You know, we do these things. Because 
it is difficult for us. We're seeking something. We're always after something. Isn't it true? It says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's a daily thing. That's, that's something you never need to take a break from. It is not the problem. It is not the source of stress. It is the alleviation of stress. It is the answer. If we would seek first the kingdom, it would solve so many issues in our life for us. But then we go on. There's an and in there. That conjunction means we're headed in the same direction. It's not just enough to seek that kingdom We've got to seek His righteousness. Now you notice that personal pronoun, His, is in there. That, that denotes ownership. You see, I'm not seeking my righteousness. I, I'm seeking His. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 1? Romans chapter 1. Verse 16, a verse that we hear often, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, that's our theme for this year, is the just shall live by his faith out of Habakkuk, because that faith must belong to you. It must be personal in your life. And here we have a connection between the righteousness of God and faith. You see, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his Righteousness. Now, we just read a phrase that I don't encourage you to do this, but if you would chase it down through the commentaries, you're going to find about as much diversity as you can, uh, people to write about it, and, and that is the righteousness of God here. It tells us in verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And boy, they, they, they have a problem with that. Well, we're, we're really not sure what that means. I've, I've read people who have said that. Well, don't you get it? From faith to faith. How did you get saved? By faith. Amen? And that faith that saved you if you let it, is going to cause you to live every part of your life from faith to faith. From faith to salvation to faith for my family. Faith from salvation to faith from how in the world do I pay my bills in this day and time? 
from faith of salvation to how in the world can I endure this situation that has arisen in my life? How, how can I put up with this person who is persecuting me? Well, if I'll start with faith and move to more faith, I'm going to find the righteousness of God revealed in my life. Can we say amen to that? How many say, preacher, I'm with you. I need more of that. You see, that's, that's why we've got to go over these verses we know. Is because we've got to remember. But, but seek ye first the kingdom. You see, it starts with this nasty word that we just don't like. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E Obedience is the very best way show that I believe. And now you know why I don't ever sing any specials. Amen? <laughs> we probably ought to get that song in our Sunday school repertory there. Now, if you have children, you want them to learn to obey. Isn't that good? You don't want them to learn to disobey. You, has anybody ever had to teach their child how to disobey? Uh, I don't think so. It, it comes naturally. You see, let's, let's just get the next verse here. Romans chapter 10, if you would. Just Romans chapter 10. Paul's talking about Israel, but the application is so pertinent for us today. He's talking about Israel. It says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You follow what Paul's saying there? He's talking about his wish for the Jewish people that they would turn from their tradition and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the truth is, the earliest church was all Jewish people. And even as Paul was writing, there was still, other than in the cities of Corinth and and some of those major cities where Paul was at, and the city of Rome, of course, uh, that there would be a majority of Gentiles in the church compared to Jews. But Paul is saying here, they were ignorant of God's righteousness. Now, I have a saying I like to use. It's a little crude. Ignorance can be fixed. Stupid can't. You see, ignorance is just not knowing Stupid is not knowing on purpose. That's a little harder to fix. Why were they ignorant of God's righteousness? Because they were so busy trying to establish their own. 
I like to call it checklist Christianity. Oh, read so many chapters, prayed so long, went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. Oh, it's a great week. You know what? That doesn't guarantee spirituality, does it? Now, can you be truly spiritual and not do those things? Uh, No. It's why we do those things. It's how we do those things. How many of us... Well, I'm going to read my Bible. I've just got to get this done. Then I'll read. And we make a mess doing what we're doing, and then we find the verses that would have fixed the mess in our Bible reading. Anybody ever had that happen? Okay. Well, at least you're reading your Bible, amen? But if we did it the other way around, wouldn't it be better? If we started out by seeking the kingdom and His righteousness if we take the faith that saved us and ask God to make it applicable or living in today, we're going to see His righteousness revealed. It won't be some theological discovery in the Scriptures. It'll be a practical solution in daily living. You see, that's how God's righteousness is really revealed. I believe in academics. I believe that we ought to study. I believe that, that it, it, we shouldn't just play around with things. But there's a whole difference between knowing things up here and knowing things down here now and there. You know, how many people, I wonder, are going to miss heaven by about 18 or 20 inches, depending on how tall they are? They got it all up here. But you see, faith is what makes it happen down here, isn't it? And when faith happens down here, it's got to move out here, doesn't it? It's got to move down to your feet. It's got to, it, it, it's going to flow. It's going to produce those works that James talked about. You see, that's why we have to seek first the kingdom of God and... His righteousness, because as we seek to have Him sitting upon the throne of our own heart, as we seek to obey Him with our life energy, our life force, as we invest it in each day, we're going to see God's righteousness revealed in our lives. Now, you've got to seek it. You've got to want that as the final goal. If all you want is to quote-unquote have a good life, let me tell you, the devil's going to be there to short-circuit this process. But what looks good today doesn't always last till tomorrow, does it? But those things that have been done out of obedience to Christ 
they last for all eternity, don't they? You see, there's an eternal scope to this thing. That's why we, we are supposed to be looking past. The presidential primary season. I don't know about you, but as an American, I am sorely disappointed with our country. I am embarrassed for the United States of America that this would be the best that we would offer to be elected. That, that just troubles my heart. By the way, I am not endorsing or unendorsing any candidate in that statement. That's for the IRS. Amen. Listen. That doesn't change the scope of our behavior. Because his kingdom is not of this world. Now, you better pray for the man in the White House. And you better pray hard for whoever gets in in November. As an American, that thought just terrifies me. But could be a lot worse. Neither one of those candidates has pledged to take away our freedoms as Christians to worship God. That has happened in other countries. Wasn't that the platform of the last Brazilian president elected? Was we're going to erase a lot of these freedoms that churches have and make them endorse all of their social agenda? You see, we don't get to establish, we don't get to choose what is right and what is wrong. God's already done that. What, what we are to choose is the righteous alternative. Amen? What we are to do is, Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 3, and, being, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see, that's how... I get victory over this world in which I live. That's how I don't become part of the world, but I still live in the world, is because I am seeking first the kingdom of God, Jesus ruling in my heart. That my life and the things that I want and what I am doing is not going to hinder is actually going to help put forth the things that we are doing together as a church. You know, we've got some very important things we're working on as a church. And I I want to just remind you, yes, I am very busy since we've started on this thing with Union. uh, But I'm never too busy to take a phone call. Now, if I'm 40 foot up in the air... I will return your message when I get down to Tierra Firma. Is that okay? But we have to understand something. We're striving to save our church. Amen? And it's not going to be easy. The devil's going to fight us. And he is every step of the way. 
But you know something? We need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So if you hear me complaining about the building department again, say, Pastor, do you remember last Sunday's sermon? You see, we've got to seek first that kingdom. You know what? We're not going to move forward if we don't keep giving to missions like we must. Amen? If we don't start keep passing out tracts like we have been. If we don't keep inviting stop if we don't if we must keep inviting people to visit the church and 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 see the Lord grow the open door Bible Baptist Church of Astoria. Amen. And I'm asking you to pray like you've never prayed before for the Union Baptist Church of Brooklyn. Because we're hanging by a thread right now. But we've got some incredible things on the horizon. If we can just get over this next time. But it's got to be God's way. You see, if you're old enough to remember, been a member here long enough to remember what we were doing when we were trying to buy this building, this was my plea. So I want you to pray that God will do this in such a way that only God can get credit for it. And that's the same thing we want for union. I don't want credit. Brother Mike doesn't want credit. We, we want God to get credit. We want some unsaved atheists to have to take their hat off and look and say, Wow, that's miraculous. Oh, I love it when atheists lie. Oh, I do. I just enjoy it. They're going to lie anyway. They might as well lie about something good. Amen. They don't believe there's a God, but even atheists have to admit when God does something. Amen? Now, you see, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, what's that last phrase? All these things shall be added unto you. So if you want a title for this morning's message, all these things. You want all these things? Don't you know that God knows what things you need? I, I love it every time I, I, I hear something on the uh, radio there. Uh, it was just this past week. They announced the article three or four times and I never got to hear it. I was trying to. New York City is a very expensive place to raise kids. We're going to give you some pointers on how to raise kids inexpensively in New York City. I said, man, I need to listen to that broadcast. No, no. I need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We need some miracles. That comes under all these things. If we'll take care of seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, God will take care of all these things. And so, it's a matter of priority. It's a matter of choice. You only have so much life force. You only have so much energy. When it's gone, 
You're going to be gone with it. Like what Brother Shaw used to say. Some of you remember him when he was with us. He said, God's going to keep you alive until he's done with you. But how much pain and suffering you go through, sometimes that's up to you. He was cautioning me on not doing stupid things as we were rebuilding this building. I've listened to his counsel so many times as I'm doing things in the new building. You see, what we want to do is we want to seek first that kingdom. God will never do what he wants to do in our church until he's already doing what he wants to do in our individual hearts. Can we say amen to that? But we still need to seek his kingdom in our lives and in our church. That means there's effort that has to be put forth. There are sacrifices that have to be made. There there are decisions that have to be made for us to do that. And his righteousness, that righteousness comes by faith. By just simply obeying God's word. We're going to start right here and get the first week. And we're going to move through that thing. And before you know it, we're going to see God's righteousness revealed. Not in some theoretical lecture, but in practical daily living. Because God will take all of these things and He'll add them to us. Stop worrying about the things. That's God's job. You start worrying about his kingdom and his righteousness. And he'll take care of those things. He has for our church. I believe he will for union. I believe that he will until he comes to get us. And all God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer this morning. And Lord, we ask that once again you'd bring to our minds and our hearts this verse that we know so well. That sometimes we overlook what it actually says. Lord, we ask you to work in our hearts and minds and allow us, give us grace to seek first. Help us to have the spirit of that little child and just believe you. We ask that our faith would go from faith in salvation to faith that will solve any life problem that we face. We ask for your grace, dear Lord, that we may live lives that will bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Andrew comes and leads us in the hymn of invitation. If you need to come and pray, the altar is open.